everybody? Welcome to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I got to say, it's good to be back. We've been uh, been on a little two-week hiatus here, but we are back, and we got a big guest. We are ready to rock today. I feel like we've been on a lot more hiatuses lately, Ian, but full transparency. As you can tell by the jersey, for people who are going to see the videos, I've been all in on my Maple Leafs lately. Watching Raptors, but I haven't given enough attention to the rest of the NBA. So, in honor of that, to help us dissect what the hell is going on in the National Basketball Association, we bring on our friend, the pod god, host of the Shaw's Law podcast, Rob Shaw. Rob, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for coming what's back. What's going on? Oh, man. My guys are fresh off the hiatus so they can say hi to the haters. <laughs> That's We're here. We're here. And speaking of haters, we're going to dive right into this, Rob, because we got a couple little games here that we want to play with you. It's It's a bit of a bit of a twist on real or fake it's basically are you real or are you not right so we're gonna start with the with the downside we're gonna start with with the hating okay so we got five teams that are clearly underperforming in the, in the nba right now ian do you want to name the first team that is underperforming in the nba right now that we want to ask rob are they this bad no i don't because i know what the first team is and i don't want to talk about it coming off a big Big dub last night. Big dub. The boys are back. Smack the Bucks. Take that, Giannis. You picked the wrong team. And as our good friend Rob Shaw once said, you have no sauce. You continue to have no sauce. So let's start with the team that I love and the team that laid the smackdown last night. Let's talk about the Toronto Raptors. Rob, I got to know, are they this bad? No. Like, everything that we said on the over-under pod, I really do think still applies and I know it's been a rough start to the season, but man, I just fall more and more in love with the Raptors as an organization. So even if this is a down year organizationally, there's just so much to love. Well, yes, there's also a lot to nitpick on here, Rob. The oh, big okay. rotation is less than ideal. They went small last night against the Bucs. That's really what, what helped them. And shocking, play your five best players as much as possible. It's a weird, weird concept. Ian, are they this bad? I, I think what happens, we've talked about this before, is that when you're in these situations, when you're, you can only survive so long playing bad players or not good players. And the thing I like about what Nurse has done in this streak, and again, they started two and eight, and it's been much better since. Right, I think they're, what, 12 and 14 now, something like that. Much better since then. And look, again, I mean, they're, not, they're still not blowing the doors off, but they're clearly finding their way. So I'm going to say, no, they are not this bad. They're still in the top 10 um, in point differential. This is, this, is a team that, this is a team that is finding its way. It's got a lot of new personnel. And yeah, I think you know, there are times where we can be critical of Nurse for, for not calling timeouts on deep runs or sticking with Baines or sticking with Davis. But it seems like you know, even Matt Thomas got in the game ahead of Davis last night in the second half because Nurse finally saw the light, that Davis wasn't the answer. And I think now what we're seeing is, okay, if Baines can be an off-the-bench big where he's playing against second-unit guys, we may have something here, right? He's not getting obliterated, having to chase around Carl Anthony Towns or anything like that, right? He's going to see more of the Gorgie Dang types, which are minutes that he can survive in. So 
we have something there. The DeAndre Bembry stuff is real. It's really real. That guy cuts with purpose. He's a genuinely good passer, switchable on D. He's a rotation guy, right? So there's two rotation guys now where before you didn't have any. Yuta, I like Yuta, good defensive energy. If he's your ninth or 10th guy, you're in a decent spot. So, you know, we're sort of chipping away at it. They're, they need to, they obviously need to go out and trade for the one more guy. The rest is straight trash though. Well, I mean, look, it depends on what, it depends on the, if you go get one more guy, hopefully a big, you're, you become super interesting because other than Philadelphia and other than Brooklyn, who in this East is untouchable to you? I mean, you'd say probably Milwaukee, maybe. You wouldn't. I wouldn't. Right. I, right. The, so the fake best you know, team in the NBA there. So let's go. Uh, so, so have this exercise, right? Have well, this exercise. You'd have to say Boston. You wouldn't want to, like, you wouldn't be confident I understand. Going we into don't a match up well, well against Boston, yeah. but this, this is the team. Boston's on the team going the opposite way we are. So, you know, there's so many flaws in this conference. You are clearly one player, a good player, away from being competitive in this conference. They are not this bad, and it's getting better. And by the way, I think I said a couple weeks ago that Fred Van Vliet's our best player. Kyle Lowry's our best player. I literally have it written down. And then, Rob, I want you to have the last word here. Yeah, I actually meant to ask you because you've had – Ian always comes on the pod as like, Fred Van Vliet is our best player. Kyle Lowry is our best player. Pascal's our best player. He's even said OG is their best best player. player. So Ian, let's just end this. Who is the best player on the Raptors? Because I think the right answer is there can be a different one night to night, which you cannot say about a lot of teams. The one thing I will say, though, is that Kyle Lowry is unequivocally, unequivocally the best point guard in the Eastern Conference, period, full stop. Ooh, Rob. Full stop. (laughs) Not a discussion. Um. And and if you want to know, if you want to know, Go check his head-to-head stats of what he does to uh, everyone's favorite boy, Kyrie. So Kyrie is where I was going, and that might just be – well, while we're on the subject of Kyrie, Kyrie has uh, – he's no longer the point guard in Brooklyn. So is he better than James Harden, who's now Brooklyn's point guard? Well, no. Yeah, That's, a no. <laughs> That's a no. That's a no. That's a no. Hey, real quick on Harden, and I want to hear Rob on the Raptors. Give me a minute on Harden. I didn't fully appreciate how brilliant this guy was in Houston because he's sort of he's sort of sheltered by this system. And you know, Katie's in the front seat, Katie's driving the car. You know, and James Harden can genuinely look at KD and be like, "Hey, let me drive." And it makes sense. Like you guys you guys are at one level. Kyrie is in a completely different tier. Way down. And I'm thrilled that he's taking on the role that like, yo, I'll just try and hit open shots when I get them. All right, so quick thoughts, quick thoughts on this. <laughs> the fact that Kyrie came out and said a couple of days ago, like, yo, I think James should be the point guard. I've been a Kyrie apologist all year. Sometimes he's just oblivious. From the moment James Harden stepped into Brooklyn, he got off that plane from Houston He's been the point guard, Kyrie. Like, just look at how much he has the ball. Look at the assist numbers. Mm-hmm. Look at how he's facilitating and playmaking. You you didn't make a decision, dog. You realized what everybody else has been watching for a month and a half now. To the Raptors. Because I, I, I'm going to circle back to the Nets in, in our trade section here. But the Raptors are not this bad. They also aren't great. They are 
little worse than what I pegged them to be coming into the season, but they're interesting. And, you know, Who we'll the, see. So let's the, say the for, defense is what worries me. 16th in the NBA. Let's say for fun, Sean. Let's say you acquire Kem Birch, for example, who I genuinely like. Right? Not obviously not a not an impact impact addition in in that sense, but someone who automatically helps you. How many teams in the Eastern Conference are are without question better than Toronto? Well, I, I don't think he moves the needle at all. Like I like Kem Birch too, but I want him playing against in the Baines role against second units. I, I don't want him going up. Against first units, I don't definitely don't want him guarding. But Joel remember, Embiid. it means you don't go Baines to no one, right? It means you I, I, go. I understand. Birch I, I and Baines, can you can you? Pass I still think they're like six in the conference. I still think they're there. And, I, and what five teams are better? Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Boston, um, Philly, and I'm missing one at the top. Not Indiana. Ah, yeah, but fuck Sabonis. We beat uh, Indiana. I, and I'd still say Miami, who ironically, Rob, is our next team. So the Miami Heat are 11 and 16. Rob, are they this bad? No, they're really not. They've been ravaged by COVID. Jimmy Butler, who's their best player, Bam is amazing. But Jimmy sort of has that Kyle Lowry thing where he can be your best player and not dominate the ball. And the team has his persona. Agreed. Jimmy's missed a lot of games and it's just like a continuity thing they're gonna get it together and unlike the raptors they have more top top end talent Mm -hmm. um in bam and jimmy like part of since i never finished the raptors part of the raptors issue is they have a bunch of really good players but no there's something between yeah stud i was gonna say like they might have an all-star but there's like a level between all-star and superstar the all nba caliber they don't have a top 15 player in the nba yeah they don't they don't have anybody who lives in that realm well the heat have two of those guys and that's what makes them makes me believe they can turn it around i i'm gonna jump in here um i don't necessarily disagree but I would very much take the Raptors' top four over Miami's top four, although it's close. I, Bam's the best player out of all eight. I think Jimmy and Kyle are close, but I would – Jimmy and Kyle are close. I'd probably lean Jimmy. Jimmy you, lean, is, you, lean, you lean the taller guy if it's close. Yeah, I think Jimmy yeah. – Jimmy. the reason Jimmy's so important to Miami goes beyond basketball. It, it's an identity thing. It's the same thing that Lowry has with Toronto, right? It just becomes an identity thing. And I no, I don't think Miami's as bad. I think what we're seeing is that Miami was completely fucking ridiculous for not just having the hardened discussion in a more serious manner. We we really stopped this for Tyler Hero? Are, we, are you kidding me? Like, what are we doing? You know, Dragage, Hero, Robinson, Precious, all your picks, and I bet you that hardened deal was at least close. And they didn't want to do it because they they believe in hero. And and I look, I'm not closing the door, but I think that we need to, you know, the same way we're doing with Lamelo Ball. You gotta chill. You they have to show you a little more than 20 good games, right? Before we start anointing these people. I mean, we're talking to Tyler Hero like he's untouchable. What are we talking about? So I think that's what we're seeing. What we're seeing from Miami is like Bam is very much Bam. 
Jimmy is going to come along. And then after that, I think, you know, what you're running into is that some of the bubble stuff just didn't translate back, at least not yet. Go ahead, Rob. I'm in the middle. You want want to jump in. Go ahead. He could not be more right on this Tyler Hero point. (laughs) Like, that point was a grand slam. The fact that just the idea of Harden in Miami where – Pat Riley goes, yo, I know you like to hit the nightclub, bro, but if you, like, you can go to the nightclub and that's whatever, and it's going to be the same experience you have every time you come to Miami. If you win one ring, you cut out the nightclubs for six months for me and you win a ring, I'll show you a different lifestyle in Miami. You can live (laughs) like a goddamn mafia boss. Yeah. And Tyler Hero is what jammed it up. And y'all drunk. Well, and, and, it's and crazy. It was like people were even arguing the whole, okay, well, maybe Hero, but not Duncan Robinson too. Like, like this, that it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's James Harden. It's James Harden. What a fit in this offense with oh my plus God, defenders, Bam just running around like a psycho. Ugh, and don't. and listen, for all of Harden's faults, when he is engaged on defense, he's. Average, average on the perimeter and a good post defender. Fire, so, it's, so it's it's not like you know it's not Trey Young. So oh, you're not absolutely you're, you're not absolutely hurting. And when it and honestly, James Harden's mistakes are more off ball on defense than on ball. When he gets picked on, that's when he actually locks in and does some shit. So I, I, I'm with you guys. I the, these two teams these were the layups. These were easy for for in my opinion. I think that they are not this bad. I think they're, they've both been through a lot of shit. And to your earlier point, Ian, I still like, yes, Bam is the best player. You probably take Jimmy because he's the wing, even though the guy's allergic to three-point shooting on a good day. But then the next four are the Raptors. It's all Toronto. Right? Every one of them. Right? So, but either way, you still want the best player in that deal. Like, Ian, put it this way. If the Heat called me today and said, I'll give you Tyler Hero for OG Ananobi, I'd throw up on my phone. Right, and this is the guy we're holding up for James Harden. Don't fair enough. The the Miami Heat. Listen, they're twenty third in offense, thirteenth in defense. I'm not taking any of that, any of that for granted. I'm taking it all with a grain of salt right now. Hasn't been Jimmy. So we need one. to see Nets Heat first round series. That's what we need. That's what so we need. We 2020 was a, was terrible. 2021, we deserve that. This one's a little trickier because they've had some issues as well. But they haven't had the level of issues as Miami, but also came in as a title hopeful. The Dallas Mavericks are 13 and 15. Rob, are they this bad? I actually think they are. Yes, sir. Agreed. I think they are. There's, I guess, well, I guess we'll start this segment with shout out to Seth Curry. Who knew he mattered so much to Dallas? Yeah. I thought the him and uh, Josh Richardson trade was um, everybody gets their needs met. No, they got fleeced. I would have gotten fleeced too because I thought it was going to work for everybody. No. And they just don't have, I wouldn't even say like Luca has regressed to the mean. It's almost like other teams are like, yeah, he's going to do what he does. He's a great one. But is he, is he making players better? Is I guess is the question now. Is he making anybody better, or are the numbers just always gonna? The numbers will always be that eye popping when you dominate the ball that much. We've 20, watched. Go ahead. 
No, no, I was 27, nine and nine. Ridiculous and they're, they're numbers. Be, they're they're amazing. But we watched Westbrook average a triple double for three straight years, so we can. I think. Okay. All right. I know. All right. You got him. You got him. All right. (laughs) I heard him. Yeah, you heard him. He's not, he's not Westbrook. No, no, no. no, He's not Westbrook at all. I'm just saying that like gaudy numbers aren't always telling the whole story. And I'm not sure that he's elevating all those guys right now. He's, he's carrying an offense to eighth in the, in the NBA. He's basically kind of doing the the Harden thing. And Ian, and then I'm going to let you jump in. It's really quick. No, 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 no. Do your thing. Do your thing. I, I just, I just don't think KP's the guy for him. Like I, I know this isn't like the hottest take of all time, but I just think that he needs a longer wing, someone who can actually be an athlete and do some stuff, play some defense. And that's why I liked the Josh. I was all in with you, Rob. I thought the Josh Richardson thing was like, Philly, you get shooting and we get defense. We get some guy to go stand in the corner on offense and a guy on defense who's going to run around and chase that quicker point guard. Their defense, like Rick Carlisle must be pulling his hair out right now. 27th in the NBA. When have you ever seen a Rick Carlisle defense this bad before? Ever. This is, it, it's, they are this bad. They are blah. Look at, you look, okay, Maxi Kleber is all of a sudden turned in, like last year was apparently an anomaly. He's atrocious. What do they, what else do they have? What do they have? Him. I would target him. And so to me, yeah, they are this bad. So, I need to discuss Luca for a minute. I, I don't know how many players I've seen this good this year. And the list may be one, maybe two. Um, I think what you're seeing is part of the problem in Dallas is that you already touched on the Curry Richard thing, which is absolutely right. It's a big difference when you're passing to, you know, 37% Seth Curry on a billion attempts or what, you know, or, or whatever he ends up being, right? That's a difference from passing to that guy and passing to, so what is Curry this year? Curry this year three is 47%, right? That's a different story than passing to 29% Josh Richardson or 28% James Johnson, right? Like, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith isn't isn't shooting in the 40s like he was last year. KP's taking six threes a game. He's seven foot three. So I don't believe these puzzle pieces fit. And I think Dallas had such a great opportunity. You have Doncic on a rookie deal, and you can sort of slow burn this thing. You got a bunch of guys on great contracts. And then, you know, they sort of felt like they were on the Giannis running and then they just floored it. And we're like, no, we need to do it now. So that leads to Kleber extension, Brunson extension, Dorian Finney-Smith, Porzingis, the Richardson trade, trading for James Brunson's Johnson for some, he's been for some one, reason. I love Jalen Brunson. He's been one bright spot. Yeah. Yeah, but they, you know, they I like Jalen Brunson. Don't get me wrong. So again, I, I just think, I don't think the puzzle pieces fit. And I think mm-hmm. every year we see this. Every year we see a team fly onto the scene you know, maybe pop in as a six or seven seed, put up a competitive first round series, and then we get all excited about where they're going. And the next year we're like, oh, this is where they make the leap. They don't always make the leap. And I think what we're seeing is building a team is harder than you think. So the Porzingis thing, they're not going to be able to get off of. And him not being an asset kills them. So they have no picks. They have some expiring contracts, but who are they going to get? I think this is who they are. 
it's shocking that they went from maybe the best offense ever to this. This is who they are. Yes, they are this bad. Let's get to the last two. This is another tricky one. Rob, the Denver Nuggets are 15 and 12. We're talking about, are they this bad for a team that is above 500? Well, they were in the conference finals last year. They were. Same with the Boston Celtics. We're currently at 500. So, are the Denver Nuggets this bad? I don't think so. I'm really wishy-washy on them. Like, they're... (laughs) I think they're very matchup dependent in the playoffs because that's what we're ultimately talking about. Mm-hmm. Hey, where will they, how far will they go in the playoffs? And I think they're matchup dependent. Jamal Murray needs to find whatever sauce he left in Orlando. He needs to go get that back. How sure but, are we that he's good? Like, are we sure? Very sure. Inconsistent. He's been, but that's always the story with him. Even. So he set the bubble on fire, sort of. When they were, when him and Donovan Mitchell were battling it out in the first round, you could watch Jamal Murray's just raw box score stats and tell me what kind of game it was. Game one, uh, he's really, really good. He uh, Donovan Mitchell goes crazy, but Jamal Murray uh, outplays him in overtime. Nuggets win. Game two, he was horrific. Uh, Utah wins by damn near 30. Game three, he doesn't get to 20 points again. Another big Utah win. And then in all the games that are competitive, he's up in the 30s. Like it's either a win or the game was close. But his whole issue is consistency. Yeah, I think the thing, I think my thing with him, Rob, is this is just who he is every year. He's 35% on threes, takes about six a game. He's around 18, 19 points, you know, doesn't crack five assists, doesn't crack five rebounds. Well, really quick, is- to Rob's point, he's like 18, 19 points, but he's either 33 or he's like 12. No, 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 I completely agree. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, no, no, I'm not disagreeing with him. I'm saying we're not seeing improvement. Like, we see flashes, right? And that was my point. We're not seeing improvement. Like, put it this way. If Denver called the Raptors right now and said, I'll give, I will give you Jamal Murray for Fred Van Bleet, I'd say no. I'd rather have Van Bleet. I think I would too, but Jamal Murray is an, just an overall basketball asset. Has to be worth more than Fred. Don't disagree. But we're talking about a guy who's, what, two years older on a different stratosphere defensively and is scoring better and and has better assist numbers. You know, so again, Denver's only going to go as far as Jamal takes him. And frankly, Jokic is the MVP. And if it wasn't for him, we're talking about and, th- th- you know, we can't even pin this on Jeremy Grant leaving either. Th- this is a Jamal Murray issue. The words so are right I out just, of my mouth. Go ahead, Rob. I just jump in and yep. defend Jamal Murray on the assist thing. Jamal Murray's not the point guard. Jokic is the point guard. Fair. Getting to five, getting two dudes to five assists, like when one of them is going to be close to anywhere between nine and 11, and you are... Murray is one of his primary assist tar- targets. They run that inverted pick and roll. Mm-hmm. So that's taking away from his opportunity to get assist. Assist just isn't a stat I'd look too heavily with Jamal Murray on top of the fact that he's probably never been a point guard. He's been a guard who handles the ball, but never a true point guard. That's why the marriage between him and Jokic works so well. Yeah, four and a half but assists a game for a shooting guard is, is an atrocious, which is what but he what is. You, He's a two guard. 
But what do you? So is Fred VanVleet? He's at over six. Yeah, so but it's like not really. I'm just asking if you're not getting me 20, what are you doing for me? That's right? the thing. That's the problem. Right. He's not giving me great defense. He's not jumping passing lanes. He's not, you know, running the offense. He's not scoring at a ridiculous pace. He's not rebounding. Right. So again, like, what's the difference here between you and Monte Ellis? No, that's the real thing is yeah. the the fact that that guy's never been a 20 point per game score in an era where everybody gets 20 points per game is mind boggling. It, he, it resembles the Donovan Mitchell thing, right? Where Donovan Mitchell, basically the, the, the jazz, they have another identity outside of Donovan Mitchell being an absolute animal at scoring the basketball. And that identity is they're really, really good at defense. That's their identity. And they have these quirky supporting pieces that, you know, kind of work, kind of don't. It is what it is. I don't have anything else to say. I literally had written down that this team is going as far as Jamal takes them. And to to your point, Rob, you don't have to look at the score of a Nuggets game. If Jamal plays well, they win basketball games because of how consistent Jokic is. Jokic doesn't have like a 12 four and four night that's you don't see that from Jokic so let me let me ask you a question Sean sure two questions one how many more points per game does Jamal Murray get than Chris Boucher like this year or career this year isn't Boucher at like 16 tonight no okay so I have no fucking clue I would say that yeah okay five points a night okay Boucher's legit having the five. Come on. I know. Chris Boucher comes off the bench and he's a big, he's playing like what? 25 minutes, 23 minutes a night. He's tall. Come on, man. Yes. Come on, man. I wouldn't call him. Come on, man. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray is barely Norman Powell. He's barely Norman Powell. I think you mean Norman Powell's barely Jamal Murray. No, come on, barely. Don't. Stop, stop, stop. Come stop. on, man. You can't bring not, the Raptors all around here. You, you can't, can't give me a ma- stop. Look, I understand. Stop. No, no. You just said that Norman Powell's better than Jamal Murray. You can. This podcast I is absolutely over. did not say that. It's done. And by the way, Jamal Murray got a max contract. You're not giving me anything. I'm not saying who's more bang for their buck, but we come on, Ian. Come on. Two more points a game than Norman Powell. Come on, man. Rob, any last things on the on the Nuggets? It's the money, Max. It's the money, Max. Mitch. Woo, let's try that again. It's the money and what he's supposed to be. When you think of Jamal Murray, you think of, oh, this guy's a bucket. And mm-hmm. then you, you're like, he's never averaged 20? Right. What kind right. of bucket is he? The Nuggets have eight players averaging double figures, which is wild. Jokic, Murray, Barton, Morris, Millsap, Harris, Jeff Green's corpse and Michael Porter Jr. So their offense is. Don't slander Jermichael Green. I've sorry, it's not Jeff Green. You're right. Ever. It's Jermichael Green. Sorry, sorry. Love Jermichael I wish Green. they had Jeff Green this year. That I'm sure. On Oop. another level. All right, let's do this one quickly because I think we all agree. The Atlanta Hawks are 11 and 16. Rob, are they this bad? I, I don't know what to make of the Hawks, honestly. <laughs> like I just have no idea. Like they had, they clearly have internal beef. All the things that uh, were whispered around the offseason when they got all their, they got all those big name players in the offseason, they were like super stoked in Atlanta because whispers around the league were, yo, I don't know if people are going to want to play with Trey Young. 
And it doesn't sound like it's the new guys. It sounds like it's the guys that have been there doing it for two years now. Like John Collins is like, look, man, if this dude misses me on another pick and roll for a 30 footer, we're going to have to fight in the locker room. There's just bad juju there right now. They are this bad. Yes, that's I it. agree. They are this bad. Oh. They're the Hawks. Yeah, they got Tri- all these great pieces. Someone f- please free John Collins. Yes, free that man. And by the way, Trey Young is never going to be a winning player. Neither Zach Levine. Whoa, 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 whoa. That might be true, but Zach Levine needs to be on your all-star ballot. He is definitely – I saw your – I don't worry. I saw your video. He is – Someone averaging that many points a game is on your all-star ballot. And we're going to get to a couple of points. He's on the that. 12th Ian. guy, probably. He's 12th probably, guy, probably. probably. It doesn't matter. I'd rather, he's, he's I'd, rather have, I'd rather have Levine than Young, only because Levine has at least showed me that he's trying to get better. Well, you take like, the call taller guy on defense, but you take the wing but he's on tr- defense. He's, he, look, he's still uh, unbelievably atrocious on defense. But he's he he's trying. Like he recognizes that it's an issue. Isn't trying. Trey Young doesn't try, and he's never going to be a pl- he's never going to be a a championship level player. I can't wait till the Hawks give him the max, and we get to sit there and laugh at Trey Young Luca jokes for the rest. Let's of the time. let's just end this here. Go just on the on the All Star game on the All Star game. Okay, the All Star game is a show. It is a television show. It is not. It should not be something where you put someone's Hall of Fame career. Because they had X amount of All-Star games. I think it's something that helps. But I would rather see LeBron in the All-Star game, even if he's only averaging 18 points, over some defensive wizard. I'm sorry. I know that you got to give love to them. You know where you give love to people? At the end of season awards. The All-NBAs, the defense, the defensive teams, the rookie teams. That's where you give them love. The All-Star game is a television show. Rob, that's all I'm saying. If you want to, if you want to say that I'm wrong, go ahead. That's fine, but then we should not have put any contract incentives in the All-Star game. I completely Correct. agree. Should never be a case. We have but legit that, fans voting. Yeah, no. like, I can't trust these idiots. Have no. you seen what these guys say? Or who they vote for? No, it's I, ridiculous. Um, but either that, either that, or weigh the or go the complete other direction. Shoot for games like last year where Kyle Lowry's closing the game rather than Trey Young. Because guys are gunning to win because of the Elam ending, right? So either do that or go the complete other way and look at these things objectively. Take the fan vote out of it. Look at these things objectively and be like, there are people I'd rather have, I'd rather win with than Trey Young. Well, let's talk about winning because these teams have done a lot of it. Some more than others, but all of them more than we anticipated. And that starts with one of my worst calls of the preseason where both of you told me that I was wrong because of Tom fucking Thibodeau. And that is the New York Knickerbockers at 14 and 15. It's currently sitting 23rd in offense, fourth in defense. Oh my God. That's fucking absurd. Rob Shaw are the Knicks this good. They're as good as their record. (laughs) Like, So they're a 500 team to you. Yeah. Yeah. They're a 500 team. Okay. But, like, how they're doing it is wild. It's amazing. <laughs> they turned Julius Randle into the, damn, I wish there was a way to reward him because he's not making the All-Star game. Like, he'll, he'll get, like, a big media buzz about how he was snubbed. There's just not enough spots, but, like, his reward will be that everybody says he got snubbed. 
The CJ McCollum Award. Perfect. The Mike the, Conley Award. The Mike, Mike Conley. Conley. That's the one. Shit, Let's call it the right. Mikey. Conley. Conley. That's the one. He's the Mikey I mean, winner. Yo, Rob, 23, 11, and almost six on 40% from three, 50% from two. He 80% from the line. I, like, I just said I just said Levine has to get in. I might vote for him over Levine. That is elite. <laughs> it's the passing. Yes. It's he's, just he's always been a great passer. Even in college, he was a great passer. When he wanted to when he wants to. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's yeah. sort of I think he's finally getting you can be a good passer and not enjoy passing. I think Carmelo Anthony sort of fit that mold. Like when when he saw you open, he was like, damn, I have to pass this. It's a good pass. But like I think Julius Randle's now actually receiving joy from his teammates scoring as much as he does from when he scores on his own. Are they this I think we we are seeing the the college version, the potential that Julius Randle always was. You know, he sort of went from, you know, Thaddeus Young type, right? undersized four sort of does everything okay but doesn't do everything great obviously a better version of that and now he's turned into sort of you know this almost gordon haywardian type you know this ball handling versatile scorer and he's not just bulldozing into people and getting fouls he's 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 grown up and that's how it feels i believe the knicks are real and you know what i'm thrilled thrilled for knicks fans they deserve this because when they suck, they've been so unwatchable that it just you don't get to enjoy your team growing up in front of your eyes. Now it's like we're young and we're fun. RJ Barrett maybe something. Mitchell Robinson's definitely something. Like we we have IQ. Like we have something. This is cool. Okay, they aren't this good. The some of their parts aren't this good, but with this coach. With the system in place, they have a plus 0.5 point differential. You know what that makes you? 500. Yep. Makes 500. So, yeah, I guess they are this good, but I could just see like a 15 game losing streak and they're <laughs> right back in the basement. Wait, last thing on the Knicks, I just want to congratulate Julius Randle on forever securing job security. He's played so good for Tibbs that, like, when he's 40, Tibbs yes. is Picking him up like, yo, you had that season for me because nobody's as loyal as him. No, Taj Gibson, the, the Tab Gibson corollary. That's what we're calling it. So we actually move on to the next without you guys actually airing out your quickly beef right here on the pod. I just don't think Halliburton is that much better than quickly. And I'm not sure I'm a full-time believer in that shot, but I like pretty jump shots and Halliburton's isn't that. I I think they're in the same mold. And if the two dudes are going to be relatively similar, I'm always going to take my Kentucky guy. Halliburton could literally poop the ball out like Yoshi. And as long as it goes in, it makes absolutely zero difference to me. Right? I I love Halliburton's size. He's a more efficient player. Yes, he benefits from playing with Fox. But that's also why they took him. And by the way, he went 12th. There are probably nine teams that are like, why didn't we do this? Like, you know, imagine him in some place like Washington, right? It just immediately helps that team. He helps all the teams that passed on him. So, hey, Kings fans, you're another team that's a complete dog shit dumpster fire. I'm glad you have something. 
I'm not going to pretend to have watched enough quickly to to make an opinion on this. I will say this about Halliburton. Yes, his stroke is atrocious, but unlike a Sean Marion or even a Chris Boucher, where as they're shooting, you're going, no, no, there's no way this is going in. Look how ugly it is. With Halliburton, for me, as he's shooting, I'm like, fuck, this is going in. No matter what, even though his stroke is bad. I do just kind of have that feeling as he's shooting, like, this is going in. It's like... Peyton Pritchard, a little bit, a little bit of Peyton Pritchard oh, there. God. God, that dude just torched the Raptors. He's nice though. The the nice. old fake best team in the NBA was the Milwaukee Bucks. Rob is the new fake best team in the NBA, the Utah Jazz at twenty three and five. Are the Utah Jazz this good in the regular season? Yes. Okay. As a regular season team, they're going. I assume they're going to run away with things. I do like the improvements from not improvements. I like that Mike Conley sort of figured out where to get in, where he fits in with them. Donovan Mitchell's still improving. They're really good. It's just in playoff basketball to me, it always comes down to there's going to be a lot of times where I think they don't have even the second best guy in a series. Like in a first round matchup, there's some first round matchups where they might not have the second best guy in a series. And that scares me. But in the regular season where you can catch teams slipping and um, punch people in the face, that's fine. But where would you rank Donovan Mitchell and Gobert in playoff series just with other teams? The tough thing is we've seen Gobert not be Gobert in the playoffs. Like we, we've seen, it, I, you just have the Rockets putting that kind of turn, turnstile over and over and over again for like five straight years. I don't know, Ian. What do you think? I, I you got to think those guys are top thirty NBA players, but in in a playoff series, it's got to be tough. And it's funny you mentioned oh, Gobert. So Gobert, come back to me that. on Gobert. Come back to me on Gobert. Go, Gobert's an All NBA guy. There's just because no of his question. position more so than anything. No. Else. I, he, okay, wait. Can we do this? Yeah. They're in a matchup with the Lakers. Two best, and two best players are on the Lakers. Clippers. Two best players are one best player. It's it's debatable, but it, the first best player is so much better than the other two players. It doesn't even matter. I'd agree. Um, Denver still. Well, think Denver. you said at the bottom. I was thinking Dallas. They at least they Dallas has at least one. Portland has at least one. You got to think Phoenix probably has one. I don't know if Phoenix has one, and I'm really big on Booker and Chris Paul. I just. I think that's a really hey, fun man. matchup either way. Chris Paul is Phoenix's best player. Enough of that. The no, Spurs, no, no, the Spurs the don't. That's... Out of those four players. Oh, I see. Okay. The Spurs don't. That, that's the only team here. Get, let me jump in on Utah real quick. You know what would be a really good John Collins team? Phoenix? Utah. Utah. Phoenix, Phoenix with Devin Booker? Phoenix would be nice. But I, for this exercise, I think Utah. So you, scoring, so, Ian, do you think Utah's this good? I think, I think right now, regular season, yes, they are this good. I think they're so well coached, and the you know we talk about puzzle pieces, puzzle pieces fitting, and they really fit. You know they have they have their two guards who play each, who play off their big guy perfectly between Conley Mitchell and Gobert. Then they have a slew of of weird rangy. Um, smart variety of wings between Ingles, O'Neal, and Bogdanovich. And then 
they have solid players off the bench, someone like Favors, and then they have the sixth man of the year who's gunning in Jordan Clarkson. So I like how the puzzle pieces fit. To me, I would love to see this. The team's not going to be able to go out and go get a no doubt one of the guys that we're talking about, LeBron, Kawhi, Jokic, Embiid, like one of those like insane upper tier guys. So what I want to do is stack the deck with so many good players that there's no drop off. So I would love to see this team add a John Collins. I think it'd be a great fit. Again, you don't want to tinker too much because they're being so good. But Collins is inside out game. He can place a small ball five. The the lob threats all over the place. I think they're that's a really interesting team. They have a bunch of mid-tier money guys. Bogdanovich is 17 million, Clarkson at 11, although you can't really trade him. 10 angles, favors nine, O'Neal eight and a half. You know, they can get to these bigger numbers quickly if they want to go chase a star. And I think if you're Utah, another guy who could make some sense is Brad Beal. How are you getting Beal with these pieces? I'm I'm just saying, you know, like again, I, I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying that that Utah can do it. I'm saying if you're Utah and you're you're surveying the landscape, I really feel like I'm close. And I should go hunt. I should go hunt somebody big. We have to, and you have to do it in trade because <laughs> no one's signing. <laughs> no Sorry. one's signing there. To the answer, are they this good? Do I believe this team is this good? I'm not believing any team that relies on Jordan Clarkson this much can be this good. I'm that sorry. So it's good. a zero. Oh I don't God. care if he's averaging 19 points a game. I don't care. I don't care. Yes, they have the best point differential in the NBA. Yes, they're second in defense and fucking fourth in offense, which is wild. So, yeah, on paper, they're this good. But no, the Jazz aren't this good. Plus, I picked By the way, on just them and they're hurting my feelings. Gobert's, Gobert may be maybe the best player ever to, to average like 13 points a game. Well, th- this was my point. On like this guy's going to go to the Hall it, of Fame. Why is it that everyone just stands around and gives all these offense first players so much pass all the time on not playing defense? There's so many Trey Young, Kyrie Irving defenders in the NBA that are t- NBA circles. They're just like, yeah, he's awesome. Zach okay, Levine. He sucks at defense. Yeah, but look how great he is. Look at that pass and his, his, his angles off the backboard. And then you have guys like Gobert who aren't as terrible on offense as they are on defense. And yet his, his, defensive, his defensive impact is just as impactful as their offensive impact is. And it's just like, I agree. It's, it's, it's kind of like you're looked at as like a nerd for thinking that that's, that's something that's appreciative. Like, do and, I love watching it? Do I love watching 86 to 72 games? No, I don't. But I just think it needs to be appreciated more. That's all. And maybe, and the one maybe thing now I will he's mention overrated this. because more people are saying this now. But I, and I don't even know if this is a hot take. I just think that appreciate defense more, please. Jesus. It's actually an art. The one thing, the one thing I will say about Gobert, and then we can move on. And maybe Rob wants to jump in on that Gobert talk. But... Rudy affects the game on defense more than any player in the league. And it's not remotely close, but he also affects the game a ton on offense without scoring. That guy is constantly screening. He's constantly rolling. He's found a way to affect the game now where he's not just catching lobs. He's like, oh, there could be an action on on the weak side. I'll go set a screen over there. Then I'll come up to the ball. I'll set a screen. I'll roll hard and the ball will swing, swing, swing. It all starts from Gobert. Like, I was listening to Zach Lowe and John Hollinger today talk about their MVP case. Hollinger had Gobert in the top five. He had him third, and you're like, which was wild. And you're like, are you out of your mind? And then you read, you really think about it. And you're like, I mean, I kind of get it. 
I mean, if we're if we're gonna go crazy about the guys that are all offense, this guy's defense is so far beyond. He deserves every accolade that comes his way. I love Gobert. All right, I'm jumping in. One, not nearly as into Gobert as you guys. Um, what I what I will say is you described the screen assist perfectly. That is his offensive weapon. Um, jazz people, jazz fans, jazz Twitter will always tell you, no, look at the screen assists. It's a real thing. He's screening guys open on and All off the time. Ball. Um, to your point, Sean, there's you you have to argue with some people about whether a four-time defensive player of the year in Ben Wallace is a Hall of Famer. So the disrespect to defense Perfect. is unbelievable because the defensive player of the year is essentially the defensive MVP. Exactly. Because you can win the MVP without playing a lick of defense. Meet my guy, James Harden. Yep. And Russell Westbrook. Good call, big brother. So it's defensive MVP, and it just doesn't resonate the same way. And I like that John Hollinger, like that, that is the hottest of hot takes. That's to get people talking. <laughs> That's to get people talking and get recognition. And it worked, but there's no way that Gobert could actually win the MVP as the, no. the way it's currently structured. No, so and he's, he's not even the best big guy in the MVP discussion, right? Like, I obviously don't want to get carried away. I just think Utah deserves its due. They are absolutely incredible. Yeah, they're fine. Rob, we're going to we're gonna pivot a little bit. So we're going to do one more in this bracket where we all get to, to have a little bit of a say. And then I'm going to give you two quick rapid fires. You can even pass on one of them if you want. But we're going to give you the last two will be rapid fire. So the last one that we're all going to go circling on is the Philadelphia 76ers yes. at 18 and 10. They aren't yes. completely blowing the doors off and being like a Utah Jazz, but they are leading the Eastern Conference. So while their record is 18 and 10 and the rest of the East is trash, my question to you is a little bit different. It's not, are they this good? The question is, are they the best team in the Eastern Conference? Oh, I was so excited to like say nice things about Philly. Me too, for and real. Then, like, you just took took it away from me. Well, I'm sorry. Oh. That's how this goes. I'm the I'm the I'm the one leaving oh. the questions. Oh man, I was so excited to be like, yeah, yo, Doc Rivers, they're killing it. Joel Embiid's MVP. Yeah, they run into that tall, skinny guy from Brooklyn, and it's over. Over. Yeah, like this is basketball. It's not football where like your best player isn't out there half the time or baseball where your best player um, might only hit three times, depending on how the other dudes around him hit. This is basketball. You want your best player out there for 48 minutes. He's out there for 48 minutes. And then, Oh, and then they were like, Oh yeah. we'll give him James Harden. And now the third best defender in Philly has to go deal with flat earth Kyrie. They're not the best team. It's Brooklyn. Like if we're looking for, Highest upside team I would – the team that I'm betting on to come out of the East is Brooklyn. The regular season is this long, so you can figure it out. They haven't had the benefit of a training camp. They've missed games because of COVID. They've missed games because of Kyrievid. Like, it's – they have time. Hold on. We just gave props to defense, and you're going to say that Brooklyn's the best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, the best scorer that has ever touched a basketball plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Two of the best five. Two of the best five, but number one. And if that's a hot take, 
whatever. But nobody's been iller at putting the yeah. ball in the basket than Kevin Durant. Sean, you keep talking about, yo, you take the tall guy. I'm taking the tall guy. <laughs> well, Philly's got a tall guy, someone taller than Kevin. I I have a, but, oh man. But I just think that there's there's a lot of flammable pieces on that Nets team. You got poor health and potentially could just say, fuck it, I'm moving to Zimbabwe in, in Kyrie. You got, uh, you got Kevin, he's coming off an Achilles tear. But and has had COVID complications, and but when he's on the court, God, he's so good. Harden's balling. Sorry, the fat one is very durable. He's he doesn't Oh, fatty's very wild. That that dude, yeah, he he take he can take a a lick. I um, yeah, I I think that they will finish with the best record in the Eastern Conference. So are they the best team in the Eastern Conference? I would not pick them to come out of the East, but a la the Jazz conversation previously, Rob, I think that they will finish with the best record in the Eastern Conference, which the Jazz have a chance to do. I still think the Lakers will catch them. Ian, go ahead, man. You're like beating the desk You're over there. Dry, I, like, I need to talk about this. When we went through that bloodbath with Philly two years ago, I was convinced I would never like that team. I would never like their their fans. I would never like that old guy who sits courtside. It's always standing, and he's got that yeah, stupid. Yeah, honestly, fuck that guy. Hate that. Yeah, guy. I hate that guy. But they have won me over. I love the Doc and Maury version of the squad. I love, I love eat your heart out, Joel Embiid. I love watching Ben Simmons play defense. Tobias Harris is playing great. They're a joy. And while we're at, you know, what, you know, we, we talk about, you know, all the time, well, you know, who do I, I, someone on Twitter asked, you know, what fan base, what fan base do you fight with the most on Twitter? Used to be, you know, teams like Philly and Boston, the, the worst are Bucks fans. They're fucking losers. But I will say what we've seen from the 76ers is really encouraging. This is coming from someone who genuinely had disdain towards them, you know, two years ago. I love watching Philly. The thing that we can't discount about Philly. I understand that right now Brooklyn is appealing. This team has a trade to make and they have the juice to do it and they have the guy in charge to do it. I'm not saying that he's going to be the guy, but if this if this team gets Kyle Lowry, it's over. And I believe that Philly can hunt in that tier. I don't think they're going to be in the Brad Beal tier unless they put out Simmons and that's counterproductive, but I do think they have an opportunity to, to hunt. And they should be hunting another guard, particularly a big guard. And I like where they're going. They're a move away. And this is a team built to win the championship. They're versatile. They play defense. And look, Brooklyn's scary. There's no doubt. Durant, Harden are scary. Kyrie doesn't scare me. But Durant and Harden are for sure scary. But you have to be versatile to win. You have to play defense to win. And... I I want Brooklyn Philly. We deserve that. But I think it's closer than you think. And I think if Philly makes a trade, it gets super interesting. Go ahead, Rob. Anything else? Yeah. So uh, we're talking about a team as a championship contender, almost based strictly off of talent. They're literally using the regular season as training camp and every other team building experience. It's a rookie head coach. It's three superstars that have 
sort of kind of never played together. Like the dude that KD played with in Oklahoma City, I guess that James Harden is sort of back only on steroids. And they're getting contributions from Jeff Green. The defense is going to continue to be an issue until they become a great help the helper team. Like they're never going to be good individual team defenders, but if you get beat and I step into the lane it before I can recover to my man on the wing, somebody has got to help there and I'll get to the far corner. They need to be on a string defensively. That takes so much time though, Rob. And but I, you I, just I... said Philly needs to make a trade to compete and then they're going to add in a new piece. No, 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 no. I no, no. I just mean, but at least the core still there, right? Like when I think of teams, that moved on a string and didn't have to think. I think of the Warriors and the Raptors, Raptors with Gasol. Yeah. I think of the old Warriors, right? Like be, with Draymond, you need that level of quarterback on defense. To be fair, to, to be fair, the Caval- Cavaliers learned how to do it midseason. I will say that. Yeah, but LeBron can can sit back and diagnose what's happening as it's happening, right? So again, I, I completely agree with you, Rob. They, they are treating this as training camp. The regular season doesn't mean dick to them. But my, my only thought is it takes time and you need that guy who just is able to look back and call everything out, right? The Warriors had three of those guys. The, the Raptors had three of those guys. So I, I, personnel kind of matters. And, and hey, Brooklyn has moves to make, but I hate to break it to Brooklyn fans. Andre Drummond isn't helping you. God, is he not? No, he is definitely not. The only one thing I really hate is that their best rotation defender is Kevin Durant. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't love that. I don't want him carrying the, and he doesn't have to carry the offensive load you know as much now that from? with Harden, but Golden State. Yes. yes, sir. So here we go. Here's the quick rapid fire. The last two teams are they this good? The Phoenix Suns sitting at 17 and 10 after blowing a 24 point lead last night to James Harden. And the San Antonio Spurs sitting at 16 and 11. Rob, you only are the Suns and the Spurs this good. Yeah, I think the Suns actually have, it might be even better than this because Booker and CP just haven't gotten it together yet. They haven't gelled yet. It's a lot of my turn, your turn. Oh, he's off the court. I can finally get into my bag again. So I think they could actually be better than what we're seeing. And we talked about this the last time I was on the pod. Coaching matters. And Pop just made this team cool. Like, they're, they're, they're cool. And the Spurs? Their bench, their bench is better than their starters. And oh, it's the, time sorry, to put some... Re- I missed the Spurs. My apologies. And, and, it, and it's time to put some damn respect on DeMar DeRozan's name. You can do it for me. I'm, I'm he is hooping. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with. I'm, I'm not. Cool. I'm not all in on that. So yeah, sorry about that. Sorry to the Spurs. I I'm on a podcast and missed you talking about them. Is that not the most Spursian thing of all time? Yes. So let's get to what we we want to talk about. So Ian, how many trades did you bring? Because I got two. Oh, I got I got a lot. Okay, so you bring two as well. We are making Rob Shaw the judge. It's Judge Shaw. It's a nighttime TV show, and he gets to pick who has the better two trades. And we will make can, our case. Can I have a question though? Yes. Can Rob right off the top tell me? Give me right now your favorite fake trade that you've seen. 
All right, so I didn't, it's not a fake trade I've seen. I did make one for the pod and I suck at making fake trades, but in the spirit of knowing I was coming on to talk to you guys, your Toronto Raptors will be sending away statue man, Kyle Lowry and Aaron Baines. You be careful now. To do Kawhi Leonard one last solid. You guys will be taking on Patrick Beverly. Nope. See ya. Marcus Morris. Nope. Nope. Ivan Zubak. Terrence Mann. And the Clippers 2027 top three protected pick because that's the only time they have a first round pick because of the Kawhi Paul George deal. <laughs> no fucking chance, man. Why, why am I trading a franchise icon whose money goes away? You owe take Kawhi. On two bad contracts. I love Kawhi. He already took Ibaka. You make your bet. What the fuck else do you want? You, you figure it out. Why one? No, I refuse to throw Kawhi anything, except my he my chose, love and adoration. He chose to go home. Doesn't mean he has to take our hometown hero as well. Yeah. So, Judge Shaw. That was mean, Judge Shaw. You get an F on your attempt, but thank oh, you. Oh, for the I entertainment. agree. You get an, for the entertainment. It's great. All right, Ian. Do you want to go head to head on both or on one? Because I think we do. You both. go first. So no, let, you go first. I'll throw out both of mine. Ian, you throw out both of yours, and uh, Judge Shaw is going to judge them against each other. My first one is to see the world burn. The Brooklyn Nets are trading Kyrie Irving to the LA Clippers for Paul George straight up. So on the Brooklyn Nets side, the wait, Brooklyn wait, wait. Nets. Can you, can you say that again? Kyrie Irving is going to the Clippers for Paul George straight up. Paul George to the end of, Ky- of Kevin Durant having to defend the other team's best player, especially if it's the best wing, brings a- an elite wing defense when he tries and it's not in the playoffs to a roster that this team sorely needs. This team's point guard is already James Harden. We already know that. He brings versatility, length, and something that Kyrie Irving does not. What Kyrie Irving brings to this Nets team, they do not need. What Paul George hypothetically can bring to this Nets team they do need <laughs> the tougher part was finding out why the Clippers would do this. And in my, in my research in trying to figure this out, the only thing I can come up with was ah, LeBron made it work with Kyrie and they won a title against one of the, one of the best teams that I've seen in my lifetime. So why couldn't Kawhi, but it also showed me that the Clippers are, there's not a lot there, man. Like At there's all. just not a lot. Like, yes, Kawhi gets another primary ball handler who you can trust with the ball in the last two minutes of a playoff game to not throw it out of bounds or throw it off the backboard and alleviate some of that pressure. I don't love where this leaves the Clippers wing defense, but this isn't about a win-win. This is the Nets. I kind of like it though. The Nets get kind of a little bit more stability and and allow the the roster to be more flexible. And the Clippers Clippers get get more balance. They get more balls too. Like Kyrie's not looking at LeBron James in a playoff series and going, fuck, I'm scared of this guy. I'm going to hit the side of the backboard Already in the parking lot. So that's my first one. My second one, I kind of like that one, though, is Jeremy Grant is going from the Pistons to the Dallas Mavericks for James Johnson, Tyrell Terry, and a top five protected 2022 first round pick. So it may be too much, but I think Grant has proven that it's not. You could probably argue that 
the, the, the Mavericks might have to give up a little bit more, but you're getting kind of a first round pick in Terry. I think he went very early in the second round in this past draft, but a lot of people had him as a first, first round pick. And he was basically the, the darling of the draft. What Grant brings to this Dallas Mavericks team or would bring to this Dallas Mavericks team in my trades is just a sense of professionalism. He kind of makes the other pieces fit. He's what you'd want a Josh Richardson to be. And yet he's proven that he can carry more of an offensive load. You can go small ball center with him. A la OG Ananobi has done in Toronto. And why do the Pistons do it? They get what basically is a first round pick in Terry and what is going to be a first round pick next year. So those are my two picks or my two trades. Ian, you're up, buddy. No, no, no. Rob, feedback first. Obviously, Sean hates Tyron Lue. <laughs> you would send him Kawhi's already like a douche, and you would send him Kyrie. Yes. Oh man, that that would be miserable. He already had him. They already won a title. No, no, no. But like Kyrie and Kawhi, like just like cryptic word, like no, not speaking to each other or the media on the court after a bad game. And Ty Lue's like, what is going on? I honestly uh, forgot Tyler was the coach. <laughs> Paul George and Harden together would worry me, sort of. Just because I, I kind of like this one. I'd be worried about Durant's reaction to trading Kyrie. That's the only thing for the Nets side. And then That's- I like it though. And then Ian put in my mind, which I'll never be able to forget because it was such a brilliant point that you sort of need that audible defensive anchor. And Paul George is not that. Well, he fixes, he does address problems. He doesn't fix everything like a guy like. Kawhi. But yeah, like Kawhi would. Like if it was Kawhi, it's, oh my God, all their defensive problems may not be fixed, but they're starkly, starkly improved. That second trade though. Yo, you got one there. That's the one. Let's go. Let's That go. is a good one. So we talked earlier about freeing people from bad situations. So I'm going to start with a guy who has not been a favorite of Raptors Twitter so far because of a beef he's had with a particular franchise icon. And what I want to do is I want to get Aaron Gordon out of Orlando. And I would like to see Aaron Gordon in a situation where he doesn't have to create He's able to create everything off ball, slash, play defense, rebound, maybe shoot some corner threes. I'd like to see him with that. And I think I'd like to see that player next to a guy like Mikael Bridges in Phoenix. So I want Aaron Gordon to the Suns. And I'm going to send back Jay Crowder, Lang Galloway. So that's salary. And I'll give you my first from this year, Jalen Smith. That works for me. I don't know if it works for me if I'm Orlando. I don't think Orlando does that. Okay, so talk throw me another, throw another protected body protected first, and yeah, probably. But you got to sell it to the fans. Orlando doesn't have much. I mean, I don't know. I well, if they well, Jalen Smith, yes, top ten pick, unsexy, very, very unsexy. Fair. So that like to the sell it to the fans point. Hey, maybe we, we found something. Who? Maybe we throw in something lottery protected, but 
I love I Aaron like Gordon. To- I love Aaron Gordon on the Suns, though. I do too. Me too. My thing is who who is paying you more for Aaron Gordon, right? Like you got to think of the teams that are they're in there. D- does he make sense in Utah? You know, kinda. You know, does he make sense in and and maybe by the way, maybe in instead of Jay Crowder, maybe it's Dario Saric. Maybe that's their piece. Orlando Gordon gets a. Collins. Say it again. Gordon for Collins. We'll figure out how to make the money work. John Collins for Aaron Gordon. Orlando loves their big men. Well, it's funny you mentioned Mr. John Collins because I have one that I threw it on Twitter. And I'm sure Raptor fans will probably be mad at me, but here it goes. So I got John Collins and Tony Snell coming to the Raptors. Okay. Snell's an expiring 12 million and noted Raptor killer, by the way. We send out Aaron Baines, Stanley Johnson, Pat McCaw. That's all money, right? Malachi Flynn and a lotto protected first this year. And what do you get from Atlanta? Collins and Tony Snell. Now, the only reason I say it's Flynn and the first, because that's going to blow away any other offer out there. No one's offering you the equivalent of two firsts for Collins. That's tough. Flynn, a first, and And then basically money. Salary. The Stanley Johnson two weeks where we thought he was good was an enjoyable experience. Guys, it's over. It's over. It's now Bembry time. Let it go. Atlanta wants a lotto pick for Collins. Mm-hmm. So instead of giving you a lottery pick, I'm giving you our best prospect. And maybe a lottery, lottery pick because are we this good? Are they this bad? Huh? So oh. we need juice. Collins gives you juice. Now, I'm not going to be thrilled with giving him the max when I don't know if him and Siakam can play together. That's my only concern. But at this point, I'm just looking for juice. So, Judge, who's the winner? Well, yours obviously win. Mine aren't, mine aren't as fun. Kyrie for PG is genuinely good. Yeah, the Jeremy Grant trade is good. They're both good. Love it. So, we've come to the quick hitters. And the quick hitters are a little bit different this time, Rob. Did you do quick hitters your first time on the podcast? No, we did uh, over-unders. Okay, so quick hitters normally is like a yes-no. We do, we do wild questions. But instead of that, we're just going to throw out some really quick, where are they going to be playing at the end of the year rapid fire? So Ian and I will alternate. We're just going to throw out names, and you can say they're staying with their own team or they're going somewhere else, and you can throw out who you think that they are going to. So I will start the first one. Ooh, number six on this list I take. Randomly, John Collins. Is John Collins staying with the Hawks, or is he going to no. be gone? No. He's he's gone. Where to? I don't know where he's going, but you just can't give up. It sounds like they they don't want to pay him, so they wouldn't match whatever he gets, especially if he gets the max, and you just don't let an asset walk. He's gone. I like him, and I know we're not allowed to comment, but I do like Collins in shit, even Milwaukee. You know, they got nothing to trade. But so one of these teams that could really use a, you know, a four like that, Phoenix, obviously. They give up seven first for a guy who's hurt. No, Phoenix has stuff that could make it happen. Like the play, some of the places that would he would fit nicely have nothing to give up. But like Phoenix, you can make a package. Yeah, what about Boston? We make a tech package. Utah's another one. What about Boston? But you probably don't want him in that lineup. You probably want Tatum at the four. Yeah, I don't know where what do you give up? It's it's probably it's, it's probably centered around Marcus Smart. 
Yeah, and I don't know that I do that, or it's a poo-poo platter of like the Neesmith, Langford, that group. At right? that point, and, you're just saying, hey, I don't yeah, want what to is it? Yeah, right, yeah. what does Atlanta do with that? All right, Ian, next one. Andre Drummond. This one's easy. Andre Drummond's coming to you guys, it sounds like. No, we don't have the money. Can't make the money work. Be too oh, many, too many, too many salaries. You'd have to have Norman Powell in there. You'd have to have, it, it, it won't work. Well, he's probably so, going to wind up in Brooklyn doing nothing. Up. That's right. He's going to end up in Brooklyn and like, it's going to be like, oh man, all-star Andre Drummond. And it's not that. They'd be better off trying to get JaVale McGee. Okay, Ian, I'm skipping number three and letting you have it because I can't have, let, have you have two oh, that are guaranteed. that's my favorite one. Blake Griffin. Who cares? <laughs> it's so over for Blake. He's you like- know, he, hasn't, he hasn't dunked since 2019. Yeah, I, I know that's- He's the uh, he's what LeBron haters thought was going to happen to LeBron when his athleticism went away. The thing is that LeBron's athleticism is obviously poured from the fountain of youth and it's never going anywhere. No, it's alien. He's an alien. That's what it is. Uh, by the way, my guess on Blake, Oklahoma City. I had a Denver trade for him. Ooh, I like Denver was my other one. I th- that's when like he was like still a little bit okay at basketball. Now Denver was just giving up way too much stuff in that trade. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, this is my this is my favorite one. This and another one, but this one for sure. Nikola Vucevic. I think Nick is staying. I don't think they. Ooh. I think. He's but staying. can you give me a fun landing spot for him? Remember, Orlando has nothing. But he's just he's he's the only thing they do have. Like he's gonna be an all star. He might be an all star. He's having a great season. I don't think you can do that to your fans. Where could he go? He's the last piece left of the Dwight Howard trade. He'd be great in Boston. Yes, he would be. Be great in Toronto too. He'd be really cool. And both. I just I, cool. I don't love his defensive ability for Boston's for uh, Milwaukee defense. Yeah, Can we just go to Portland with Dame and CJ. Yes. Oh my God! Yeah, you, where would I'll Nurk take go? your itch for for your itch for my itch. <laughs> Vukovic, Vucevic for Nurkic. All right, next one, Victor Oladipo. Ooh, does Vic stay? No, I think I think they move him on. I think I don't know where they move on from him too, but like they're like, Denver? hey, let's go. Denver's Denver. getting everybody. Denver's getting around everybody. Gary Harris. Yeah, I mean, he's. But how much of an upgrade is he on Harris? This from a playmaking perspective, a large one, and just gravity's not the word, but like NBA, there's an NBA hierarchy in the amount of respect that Oladipo gets from a defense, and the amount of respect that Gary Harris gets are just two different levels. I agree. Um, next one. This is actually a guy that I would target. By the way. Al Horford probably finishes the year in OKC. You think that contract, eh? It, it's just too big to move. It, it's too big to move, essentially, unless where would you send them? Where oh. would you send them and get stuff back to add to your war chest? That's the problem because Toronto's the easiest answer, but yeah, it's, it's the Drummond problem there. there. It's the Drummond problem. And you can't eat salary in the NBA, right? Right, so Did get rid of the uh, what was it called? The he makes provision? sense. He, he makes sense in. He makes uh, no. They still have it. They have that, but that's a basically a buyout. 
He'd be great in Boston, back in Boston. <laughs> um, no chance. Would he? I don't, I don't know if he'd still be great there. I mean, is he better than Tyson Tristan Thompson? No. He's not, not better than what, what, he's not better than Tristan Thompson for what Boston needs. Right. And I think that's the issue in Toronto, too. Again, not versatile enough on defense anymore. That's that's the problem. You guys are haters. I love I it love too. Al Horford. I, I love, love it Al too. Horford. My last one here, Rob. Lonzo Ball. Where does he go? Because he's gone. The writing is on the wall. He's picked up his play as of late. But like, I mean, you're a big brother, Sean. How long was you going to let Ian keep killing the pod game before you stepped it up, right? Like, you got it. You got to step it up. Yeah, like Lamelo out here killing it. Like, how long was Lonzo going to just keep being trash? But he's still trash. Like they. Oh went, my you know, God! Thank you. Yes, they, they are made for each other. Great. Ruined it, but New York would have been fun. Get get Levar Ball in New York, sitting with James Dolan. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't bring him back. Yes. No, no, I'm doing it. I no, want Spike no, Lee let, to fight no. LeVar Ball. Let him be. The, by the way, the best Lonzo destination is the Clippers. But I don't think they're going to be able to. Again, that extension will be hilarious considering they just gave like $124 million to Luke Kennard and Marcus Morris. But I, uh, that extension is not going to be good, but he'd be a good fit there. So Sean wants me to do the last one. I'm going to let him do it because I refuse to. My last one is Carl Anthony Towns. So full blow up in Minnesota. They're not going. He's not going anywhere. No, no, I agree. But but have let's have let's have the let's have give me 30 seconds on cat and tell me where could he go? Where who could Rob just get ahead of it? Send him to Phoenix for Aiton. And oh, picks. that's where I wanted to send them. I was like, they're always they're gonna think I always want to send everybody to Phoenix. <laughs> I literally I think, got ready ooh. to say it and tried to rack my brain more so I didn't say it. Because like him and Booker they're, is, yeah, they're they're gonna play together. He doesn't give a shit about D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Oh man, no, it's it probably is really Phoenix. Another place, I don't know. Golden State would be really fun. Mm-hmm. Ooh. The Wiggins contract, what? they get their pick back. You get Wiseman back to take all and my then, picks. And then every one the of them. Shooting, it's the best shooting team of all time. The best shooting big. And then the Yo, best. Yo, you just said ever. Golden State. This is breaking me. And that was a good Clay. one. And then Clay and Draymond. And Draymond will literally teach I him. I like that one. He will scream like at him one. to play defense. Wait. Okay. So wait, now that you brought up Draymond, the only time that cat remotely looked like he gave two shits about defense was when KG was yelling in his face. Yes, and you correct. just replace KG with Draymond and oh I think Golden State Garnett is such a lunatic. I love that dude. Golden State, make it happen. All right, last one. Kyle Lowry. Don't say the Clippers, man. Come on. We had a good time today. No, but you can say stay. Oh, I do think he stays. The, I do too. Kyle Lowry only goes unless if Kyle Lowry wants to go. Mm-hmm. The franchise feels that way about him. Like, if he says, I want to go, they'll make a good deal for him that might actually hurt the team. Like, they'll get as much as they can. Right, right. only from his preferred destinations. But if he says, if he doesn't say he wants to go, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I love I loved the Philly. We'll take back Tobias Harris and you give us plus plus and – because the money man matches up at that up there. You can keep Simmons. I know it's not worth it, but I do think he stays as well. And to your end, to that end, we've all talked about it. I, Sean, times. I got I got to ask one question before we go. 
now that we know what we know, we talked about this a couple of months ago. What, where does Kemba Walker's contract rank on the worst contracts in the league now? It, you literally asked him the last time he was on here. Oh, it man. wasn't that, it, and that was what, gotten, two months ago? It's only gotten worse. Wherever it ranked then, it was behind Wall and Russ. Russ. It's probably and not like behind Horford Wall Horford and Harris. I don't know if it's behind Wall. It's I, not. I, I, think, I think I'd rather have Wall. Yes. I'd, I'd rather yeah. have Wall. Is Kemba going to come back to life? No. I mean, I'd rather have Kemba than Westbrook, but that's such a low bar. So he's actually moved down a spot. Like, it's gotten worse since the last time we spoke. Yes. Yeah, I think him and Westbrook, somehow their contracts are worse than they were two months ago. And they were, remember, two months ago, there was more time on them. And they've gotten worse. (laughs) On that bombshell, Rob, Pod God, host of the Shaw's Lot podcast. Thank you so much for your time. We went long, but we appreciate it. Tell everyone where they can find you, what you got going on. And that stuff with your dad, incredible, dude. Like, please, please plug what you got going on. All right. So Shaw's Law podcast, uh, everywhere podcasts are. But once a month, I do a Shaw's Law interview series. So for January, I did Pat Benson, the author of Kobe Bryant's Sneaker History. And this month for Black History Month, I interviewed my father because well, one, he's old, he's 78, and he lived in, he's born and raised in Durham, North Carolina. He grew up in the Jim Crow South. And I just got him to tell like some fun stories because like he's kind of a character. Like amongst my younger brother's friends, somehow there's like a story that got started that he could run on quicksand. So he's just like, those are just like the kind of things about my dad. and. This is a really special interview for me. We towards the end, I realized that I'm like fake living his life. Like he was a recreation director, and then at one point I was a recreation director, and then he was a caseworker and that kind of stuff. And I like I I'm following a lot in his footsteps, and it was the first time I realized that. So please check that out on YouTube. It's Shaw's Law Podcast. And I just make, YouTube is where I go to have fun. I make Pokemon Harry Potter crossovers on YouTube. And Don't say that to Sean. He's so excited. I got my three-year-old deep into Pokemon right now. You do? Oh, yeah. So deep. And I'm uh, listening. I'm through the third time listening to the Jim Dale Harry Potter books. Oh, I'm, I'm deep. So wait, what are you, what are you and your three-year-old doing? So we get he gets a pack every week. We open them. Not to McDonald's. No, no, we haven't done that. No, 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 we haven't done that yet. But I, and then I'll take the good one out so that he doesn't fuck it up, and I put it in a book for him. He takes all like the middle ones that are like decent, and then my daughter, who's two, gets all the trainer cards and shit because she immediately starts ripping them up. So she gets to have fun. Everyone's a part of it. He's all in on watching the show. It, it's it's a full time thing. So uh, do you own a Switch? Yeah, but I haven't. I haven't. I've been, I have not exposed him to that yet. Oh, you got to play the games through him with him. Um, my eight-year-old is sort of into it, more so into it because I'm into it. Like yeah. it's hey, hey, I'll throw dad a bone. But like when me, him, and the four-year-old sit down and play, and he's reading it, 
and he's na- nicknaming his Pokemon, like I'm in all my glory. The only thing that makes me <laughs> happier with them two is when we watch Mandalorian together. Wow. I'm not the big, I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy, so that probably won't be on the on the like I I enjoy them. I've watched all the new age stuff, but uh, no, he's I'm trying to get him around the Harry Potter stuff, but there's it, a little he gets a little scared of some of that stuff. That's so when you need your collab, when you need two beautiful worlds like Harry Potter and Pokemon to come together, you know where to go, and that's the Shaw's Law podcast on YouTube. I will say I got to drop this bomb because I want Rob to to get the last word in here. I never saw any of the Star Wars movies. That's okay. And I was actually going to say to Sean, um, just with like very minimal knowledge, you could probably enjoy The Mandalorian. Okay. The Mandalorian could definitely be like a standalone sci-fi action drama show. I'm down for a baby green, dude. Yeah, like it's it's Star Wars because like it's Star Wars, but it could definitely be a standalone show. On that, Rob, thank you so much for joining. Make sure everyone checks out Rob on Twitter, on YouTube, anywhere you can find podcasts. Ian, sign off the episode, buddy. Thanks, everyone, for waiting with us through this period. I know I'm a big boy now. I've got a big boy job. Um, So I I don't tell... I uh, unfortunately I don't have the time to to do as many of these, but we miss you guys. It was so great to come back and talk hoops for the first time. It feels like forever with all time, all time legend Rob Shaw. It was a blast. Make sure everyone check him out, as Big Bro Sean said, and please, please stay warm up there and wear your mask.